Walton cuts it back. Breaking past everybody. Mark Walton's gone. 49-yard touchdown for Miami. Unlet it. I gotta go get 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 it. My name gon' hold up. My team gon' hold up. My name gon' hold up. My team gon' hold up. My shots gon' fire. My team gon' roll up. Manazi twice. My queen gon' roll up. I hope y'all ready. You know I'm ready. I rain all day. You know confetti. I gotta go get it. 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 Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. Today I'm joined by another special guest, Kyle Francis. He's a senior director of college fantasy football operations over there at DFF underscore college and DFF underscore dynasty. You can follow him on Twitter at franchise KF. Kyle, how are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Just wanted to tell you, you have the, the flyest intros in the podcast game right now, too. I'm trying, man. Every day there's something new and, you know, there's subtle messages hidden in there about what how I feel about a prospect if, you, if you're able to pick up on some of them. Sometimes they're just awesome songs, but sometimes they're subtle messages. Yeah, I, I come for the intros and stay for the takes. <laughs> so let's, before we get into Mark Wallen, who we're going to discuss today, I'm curious, walk me through your process. So a, a lot of what I do, you kind of mentioned it, that you know my primary focus is going to be on uh, college players and specifically college fantasy players. I also do fantasy stuff like for uh, Devi Leagues, developmental leagues, for those that know what those are. So a lot of my time is spent just evaluating players. Um, obviously, that evaluation process looks a little bit different if you're just forecasting a player in college versus kind of switching gears and then uh, trying to forecast what a, what a prospect looks like uh, at the next level. So there is some overlap. <laughs> Mainly it consists of reading a ton about prospects, watching a ton of games, watching a ton about prospects. So it's just going to start for me with tons and tons of, of film watching. And then from there, again, my, my processes are a little bit different uh, between the two, but you know, a lot of just basic trait-based scouting. And, and, and for me, I'm kind of one of those guys too, that I like to probably do a little bit more like background work on a prospect than a lot of other people do. Part of what I do is I start watching a lot of these players when they're in high school, which can have a big advantage when you've seen them now four or five years and been able to see them develop, see what weaknesses they may have had as a 16, 17 year old and what's different now as a 21 year old and so on and so forth. So uh, that's kind of the basics of, of, of my process. Yeah, I love that. I mean, anytime you can see a guy make year-to-year improvements, it shows you that he's working real hard in the offseason. He's not just less resting on his laurels and kind of counting what he's good at and not thinking he needs to get better. So work ethic is going to be a huge aspect of any person in life's general success. So if you can see it in a prospect and when you watch someone for three or four years, you're really going to be able to pick up on something like that. So you mentioned trait-based scouting. What traits are most important to you when you look, for, uh, when you look at a running back? I think if I were going to summarize it really into three main things, I, I like alliteration. So I look for, can a guy catch and can he create? Catch is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, create can look like a lot of different things. You know, there's guys that create with their uh, vision, uh, agility, combination of, or maybe speed, quickness. Are they breaking tackles due to their physicality? So I really don't care how a guy creates. I just want to see him create for himself, um, you know, I don't just want a guy that can run behind a good offensive line. I want to see a guy that can pick up those hidden yardage, hidden yardage plays and things like that. So I don't really necessarily have a, a preference uh, in what I'm looking for as long as they can create. And then another thing that I really like is I like to just have a tenacious runner, a guy that's got a little bit of dog in him, uh, a guy that's just going to fight and show some good leg drive and want to. So that's important to me too, just mentality. I love that you mentioned receiving first because right now – especially on Twitter, you keep seeing guys almost ignore someone's receiving ability. And I feel like that's more scouting like it's 2000 than 2018. I mean, NFL teams are throwing on 64% of plays, and on second and five plus, they're throwing on 80% of plays. 
So I've heard a lot of stuff like, well, you know, there's more first and second downs than third downs. That's that's a very simplistic way to look at it. A, rec- right. a back's receiving ability is going to change the dynamic of a team and probably allows them to play more. Um, so I think that's a pretty smooth transition to the guy we're going to talk about with Mark Walton. What what do you like most about Mark Walton when you throw on the tape? We'll just stay we'll stay right there. That was a uh, uh, seamless transition, like we've done this before. Uh, his his pass catching ability would be I think his kind of his trump card if I were to to have one. I think that's the thing that's going to allow him to get on the field earliest in the NFL and allow him to stay for a long time. Uh, so I mentioned uh, being able to catch and, and create of, of things that I'm looking for. And so you know he caught I think it's. 56 passes in pretty much two and a half seasons in Miami. So those are respectable numbers. You know, I want to see a guy catch, uh, you know, 20 plus 20 plus balls in a year is a good thing to see. And being able to see him do that, uh, he caught 27 balls in 2016 and 2022 and 2015 as a true freshman. So I think for me, just seeing his ability to create as a pass catcher, you know, he's a guy that he's not just a dump off guy. He was targeted 88 times in his career and had 11.1 yards per reception just for the sake of, of what that's reminiscent to. Christian Kirk, uh, the wide receiver for Texas A&M, for example, this year had a 63% catch rate and 12.9 yards per reception compared to his career, Walton's career, 64% catch rate and 11 yards per reception. So this isn't a guy that's just catching dump offs. This is a guy that can legitimately run routes and, and get open and, and create space and be a mismatch. Especially underneath, right? And we're, we're talking about dump offs and I don't mean flare routes. I mean, they single him up with a linebacker and he wins in space and then creates an easy throwing lane and then is off to the races. When you watch his 2017 film, it's tough because he had the ankle injury and then he goes out for the Florida State game for the rest of the season. But one of the things that to build off the pass receiving ability is his pass blocking ability. His want to is incredible. I mean, they have some situations where it's just bad coaching. Well, they'll slide the line to the right and have Walton cover the free rushing defensive end to the left, which is a tough block for Mark Walton. And he has no problem giving every effort. I don't, I'm not going to knock the guy when he gets run through every once in a while by a 280 pound lineman. Like that, I expect that. But his want to and his effort is terrific. You know, when the guy's not 280 pounds, he has to block him in space. He's very successful blocking. So when you add in the fact that he's a good receiver that can win in space, not just a dump off guy, and that pass blocking ability, that's going to create a role for him, for him right away in the NFL. Absolutely. And you know what's really interesting? This is one of the kind of more bizarre things that, that I've encountered. I think, you know, based upon what you and I have just talked about and how he can contribute in, in the pass game, that that pretty much signifies, okay, this is a guy that can be uh, a third down back at worst, but, you know, he has the potential to be all three downs uh, on the field, which is one of the things that I like about him. But this was crazy when I started uncovering some of his third down numbers uh, while at Miami. Uh, so he had 395 career rushes at Miami. Only 45 of those were uh, carries on third down. So that's 11% of his overall carries were on third down. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the injury in 2017. So the sample size is really small. But he had, I think it was 56 carries in 2017. And only three of them came on third down for negative six yards. So obviously that sample size is tiny. 
but it, it just kind of it, it's weird that they didn't utilize him more. And, and we'll kind of get into this a little bit in his in his weaknesses, perhaps. But, you know, he's not a the best interior runner that I'm going to want to just, you know, grind out the hard yards necessarily. But the fact that they didn't utilize him more on, on third down, you know, they I think they relied on him a lot as a pass blocker, like you mentioned, because he's pretty good in that area. And then, you know, he probably caught, I think, a quarter of his passes came on third down. But I thought that was really interesting and kind of weird usage yeah it's one of those things that goes back to coaching and how oftentimes these coaches don't necessarily know what they have and they don't use the guy the right way but at the same time Miami's offensive line wasn't terrific and I think they felt really comfortable with him being the guy that could chip or help or pick up a free rusher and he kind of took over that role but you know if you look at previous seasons he he can do all those other aspects of his game I agree he's not a great in between the tackers runner I think he's okay at it I think he's got good fight and leg drive and power for his size but I don't necessarily know if it's something that's going to translate at the NFL level if that's something you're going to ask him to do I think that his he's got good cutback vision but he can rely on that and if he he can almost take his eyes off the actual hole see look for the cutback lane and then if it's not there start dancing and get a little uncomfortable is that something you see and do you have any other weakness concerns for him I do I do see that as well and actually not to get too off topic there but I think a lot of the knocks that people have about Saquon Barkley can actually be applied to Walton as well and again I'm not saying that the two guys are the same so let me be clear about what I'm what I'm not saying, but I do see that sometimes where he he really has that desire to bounce outside and try to try to get outside. And a lot of times he just has the skill set and the agility to do it. I mean, his stop start and his suddenness as a cutter, especially if you give him a cutback lane, uh, he's fantastic in, in that area. His, his his agility and his vision from that standpoint is is awesome. But it's sometimes when you want him to just stay interior and not try to hit the home run. Uh, that's where he can get into a little bit of trouble. So agree with your thoughts in terms of being an interior runner. Um, you know, I think, I think the 40 at at the combine is probably not going to be his best friend. I think he's got really good acceleration and burst, but his, I won't even say that his long speed isn't great. I would describe it more as his stamina because his acceleration is so good. I think his splits are going to look really good at the 10 and the 20, uh, when he's running the 40 and then probably level out from there. But when you see him trying to break a real long run, he can kind of get hawked down from behind. And I think that I would describe that more as just having poor stamina than poor long speed necessarily. But for me, uh, long speed stamina, that's going to be very, very low on my list of, of priorities for a running back. I mean, unless they just have Chris Johnson speed and then it's another thing where they're elite in that area. But yeah, I think that, and then in the, the durability concern, you know, with the, the ankle, because he hurt his left ankle last year and then played through that against Toledo and then ended up it being his right ankle that he had surgery on. So just a little bit concerned about how he bounces back uh, from that from that surgery. Uh, I know everything's gone well, and he plans on participating at the Combine, but you never know exactly how a guy's going to show back up after an injury like that. Yeah, injuries can be tough, and we just you mentioned the long speed. He got caught a couple of times from behind, and the question for me was, is it long speed and stamina, or was it his ankle kind of limits some of his top-end speed? And that's, that's kind of an answer you don't really know until you get some of this testing information when he's healthy. So I think that's a perfectly legitimate concern. When, when you watch him, is there someone that he reminds you of? There is. So I would say I went back and forth. I really, I, I'm not normally, like I don't, I just normally come up with comps if they come to me naturally. I don't always try to come up with them, but for the sake of this exercise, I did. So I spent a little bit of time on it. And I think that the way that I would describe him would be a tenacious Amir Abdullah. Um, I, I think that, Size-wise, he's going to be comparable to Abdullah. He obviously can contribute in a similar way in the pass game. He's got that agility, but 
maybe if Abdullah were from Miami and had the swag that he does, he'd have a little bit more tenacity. But I, I, that's a, I see it like a tenacious Amir Abdullah. And that makes sense with the jump cutting ability. Uh, just to go back to the jump cut ability real quick before I, I give my uh, player comparison. The Toledo game, it looked awesome. Like he, he has some huge runs. I also think it had something to do with the level of competition and guys taking terrible angles, and that I don't know necessarily if he's going to be able to do all that, but his jump cut ability is really good. I like the Amir Abdullah one. For me, he reminds me of Giovanni Bernard in terms of the cutting ability and the receiving ability. On top of that, Bernard's known as a good blocker in the NFL. That makes me feel comfortable in that role where you see Bernard is kind of really ideally set for a committee, but if he needs to take over for four to five games, he can kind of take that workhorse load but not necessarily for an entire season. And I, I kind of think that's where what I see Mark Walton doing. Do you have an ideal landing spot for him? And where, where in the draft do you think he's going to go? My guess is he's going to go probably as soon as round three, probably as late as, I don't know. I mean, this is such a deep uh, draft class with running backs. I mean, I could see maybe early fifth being as late as he would go. But my guess is he's probably... A, a, a top a top hundred guy if I'd had to guess probably round three would be what I'd go with for ideal landing spots I I think my primary place would be uh, Tennessee pairing him with Derrick Henry uh, I think that what he can provide uh, as far as a pass catcher is something that they could use for a compliment for him I also had below that uh, the Vikings uh, if McKinnon ends up walking I think he's got a skill set that's similar to McKinnon. Uh, he'd be a great guy to pair with Dalvin Cook. That'd be cool to see, especially for ACC fans. Uh, and the last place I had was uh, Oakland, just because of the way that Gruden has liked to use a uh, a running back of his as a pass catcher. I know that they already have a couple backs now, and, uh, and and they can do some damage in the pass game, but I think he'd be an immediate upgrade over anybody they have as far as in that role. Yeah, I, I, I like what you said about Bernard. I would love to see him as not necessarily a feature guy, but in a Kamara-type role, a Duke Johnson-type role, maybe even like Tevin Coleman, Gio Bernard, just a guy like that that you can utilize what he's got, but not necessarily expecting him to go tons and tons of touches. I think in, in 2016, he averaged 18 touches a game, uh, with the fewest being 14 and the most being 27. So like you said, I think he can do work if he needed to step in and, and fill like a feature back role, but that probably wouldn't be how I'd utilize him. I agree that, I mean, I have a an early day three grade on him, so early four. I, I agree that kind of his ceiling is third round and his floor is probably fifth. And you never know with running backs, sometimes these guys drop. But I do expect him, even if he goes in the fifth round, to have a, an impact in the NFL. And the two teams that kind of popped to my head were the Patriots, if they lose Deion Lewis, and the Baltimore Ravens, just because both those teams have really shown an ability to kind of employ pass-catching backs and get the most out of them. I, mean, I think he's a better player than Javoris Allen, and I think that the way the Patriots constantly rotate those running backs in, get the touches, get them out in space, get them kind of on linebackers, I think he could really uh, succeed with both those teams. I like those as well. That would be a nightmare for me as a fantasy owner. I'll have him on one of my fantasy teams, and that just wouldn't be... <laughs> yeah, those are not great fantasy like... landing spots. Those, <laughs> no, are, no, those no. are better landing spots for his NFL success than fantasy success. Totally. No, I'm, I'm on board with you there, but I'm just hoping. No, not those. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, listen, when we talk about this stuff and we talk about ideal landing spots, 
it's tough because you want to think about it from the ideal landing spot of a fantasy perspective where like this is where he could shine the most or do you want to think about it as you know is this what might fit his skill set the most and allow him to have the best long-term NFL career because just because they get the volume at the beginning of their career and show out more than the other area doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have the better long-term career so I think it's a tough balance I do agree that if he goes to either one of those two teams his fantasy value would drop Kyle, I just want to thank you again for coming on, man. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm going to talk to you more about running backs as the process goes on. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, so thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. This is a really cool uh, concept that you're doing, and uh, it's an honor to be on with you and all the great guests that you've had on. So really appreciate that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at FranchiseKF. Uh, if you want to talk about anything college football-related, uh, that's normally what I'm chatting about. And, uh, yeah, some of the work that I do over at uh, – dynastyfootballfactory.com if you're interested in players that are not yet draft eligible but you're interested in kind of learning about anywhere from incoming freshmen all the way up to uh, you know, rising draft eligible players next year. We go through and we do a um, a project where we profile two or three hundred upcoming guys and just kind of go over some of the stuff like Elliot and I just did with him. Uh, we do this for uh, you know, obviously in written in written form for two or three hundred guys. So that's something you can check out at dynastyfootballfactory.com if you're interested. Guys, he's Kyle Francis. I'm Elliot Chris. You're listening to the Draft Daily Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, guys, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you. Thank you.